Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome to the help desk for Thursday the 18th of February. <laughs> My name is Peter Wells. How are, you? How are you, Tess? I'm well, thanks, Peter. How are you going? Yeah, good, mate. Uh, long, long lockdown, but uh, we're, we're through it, so that's good. <laughs> good to hear. And from one long-running saga to another, Nine has reportedly struck a $30 million a year deal with Google, although neither side are officially confirming that yet. The AFR is reporting that Junkie Media also inked a smaller agreement, and The Guardian and ABC could have agreements with Google wrapped up by the end of the week so it's a flurry of deal making and that follows the seven west negotiation that we spoke about earlier this week as well and all these deals are coming about because the proposed uh, media code is on the way and under that the options are basically negotiate or arbitrate so what we're seeing now it could be that google is setting a market rate before it has to go into arbitration i.e news corp can't now come along and ask for 600 million when Nines just agreed to get $30 million a year. Uh, in all of this, we haven't heard much from Facebook, so I wonder how those negotiations are going. And if you're wondering what you would do with all that cash, well, the media union, the MEAA, says any monies from these content deals must end up in the newsroom, not the boardroom. I wonder if there was anything in writing about that in any of these deals. I doubt it. I would imagine it was just uh, straight up, here you go, here's the money, uh, leave us alone for a little while. Yeah, so what would you what would you like to see the money go to? I joked this morning that, um, it, you know, it hopefully isn't going to pay for some executive's car park. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, yeah, I'd like my uh, tech column back, that'd be nice. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just hope it, it will actually uh, be spent a little bit more on, on kind of... People? Hmm. People, yeah, people would be nice, but also kind of, uh, you know, digitizing rather than allowing, say, Facebook and Google to set the terms of how media is consumed. Uh, I hope mm. it, it, there's a bit of, you know, research and development put in. I think um, places like the ABC in this country and the New York Times in the States have done some really, really cool stuff with media over the last year or so last couple of years, I'd like to see a bit more of that, you know, a bit more of a cool reason to visit SMH rather than just the stories. Yeah, I see what you're saying. We are only like, what, 20 years into a 100-year transformation of of digital media. So there's definitely a lot of um, good ideas to be had in newsrooms, for sure. Yeah, totally. And all the stories today are from Australia. So let's move on to a Facebook ban coming to Craig Kelly, the federal member for Hughes. He copped a seven-day ban from Facebook for, quote, violating the company's COVID-19 misinformation policy. Facebook also deleted four coronavirus-related posts from Mr Kelly's official Facebook page, including one where he likened the wearing of masks by children to child abuse. 
Mr. Kelly has used his page with more than 80,000 followers to promote treatments for COVID-19 that are at odds with official government and medical advice. Kelly revealed the seven-day ban in a truly bizarre interview with Cam Wilson over at Gizmodo, and a uh, nice one, Cam, for getting uh, Craig Kelly to, to agree to this interview. Uh, at one point in the interview, Kelly is asked what fact-checking he does before he decides to share a post uh, related to COVID, and the quote was, before I post anything, I check the credibility of it. This one guy had a long Jewish beard. He looked a bit, I don't know, he, I looked him up to see if he was on the up and up and I satisfied myself, so I posted it to Facebook. This yeah. man is a member of parliament. <laughs> There's a lot of uh, phrases in that interview, or a lot of moments, I should say, where like my eyebrows just raised. I guess the, the thing that stood out to me was his behaviour is like um, the typical behaviour of hey, I've just been forwarded something or someone sent me this, have mm. you seen it? Like that was the sort of the sort of motivation for those posts. And that just seems like so incredibly normal um, and common. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, but you, you know, your crazy uncle doesn't have 80,000 followers, hopefully. Yeah, probably not. And moving on, I want you to imagine that you're an Aussie entrepreneur. You started your business in 2013 Uh, You make e-commerce software and over the years you've raised around $11 million. You've opened some offices overseas. According to LinkedIn, you have around 50 employees. So business is going well, but you aren't exactly ruling the world. And then you do the biggest deal of your life and you sell your company to Amazon. Like, what would you do? Like, I would probably tell someone about it. (laughs) Yeah, I, I would imagine, yeah. Well... This all happened to an Australian company called Cells, which was founded in Sydney. And they very quietly announced they'd been bought by Amazon uh, in mid-January with just two sentences on their website. And no one really noticed uh, until this week when it was picked up by a couple of e-commerce industry experts, I guess I'd call them, uh, on Twitter. But basically the announcement from CEO Martin Rush was... Uh, We've signed an agreement to be acquired by Amazon and are looking forward to working with them as we continue to build easy-to-use tools for entrepreneurs. So pretty big deal for the Australian tech scene that no one is talking about. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I and I read this first on a US site, TechCrunch, where where I read it, and I'd never heard of cells before, I will admit. But yeah, so so do you know anything more about them? Um, I, I see them being compared to Shopify, but why would Amazon need a Shopify rival? So I don't know a ton about these guys. Hadn't heard about them before, like earlier this week, which, and that's coming from someone who's been writing about e-commerce for five years. The talk is that there's a few reasons Amazon might have wanted to do the deal. Um, One is that it's an aqua hire, so an acquisition primarily aimed at hiring sales' leadership team. Or as people are saying, it could be the start of a Shopify versus Amazon rivalry. So Mm -hmm. Amazon and Shopify don't actually compete at the moment, even though it kind of seems like they do, because Amazon is a marketplace uh, where I could go to sell things and Shopify would let let me build an online store and process payments. So they're slightly different, but, you know, there's plenty of room there to overlap. And Sells is a tiny version of Shopify, so I don't know if it, it can scale like Shopify mm. um, the way it works now. 
But Amazon did actually have a crack at this with something called Amazon Web Store, but that was shut down in 2015. But yeah, I'm surprised that Amazon with AWS couldn't build this themselves and that they, they did go out and do an acquisition. Yeah, I mean, I guess if, if like they're not going to be able to buy Stripe or, or Shopify. So I guess, yeah, someone who does something very similar might be an, an interesting thing to purchase. And I, and I guess as I was thinking about it, you know, they, they do have that third-party marketplace in Amazon, but in some ways that might be kind of bad for the brand to have any mm-hmm. old dodgy person selling stuff under your own Totally. Site. It's a, yeah, um, Nike, Birkenstock, all these big brands have gotten really mad about uh, counterfeits and Amazon not doing enough to to um, crack down on on those people on their platform. So there's a real thing as well, and maybe no one wants to buy no retailer wants to buy, put their e-commerce store on top of Amazon in case, you know, Amazon is a rival. There's that sort of argument there as well. Well, good luck to them. And finally, uh, Twitter has responded to the, the proposed laws for the Australian Federal Police that allow them to cl- collect user data from accounts without letting the account holder know. So there is a proposal that is part of the Surveillance Legislation Amendment Identity and Disrupt Bill, I won't say that again, uh, which we talked about at the end of last year. It was briefly introduced in the last week of Parliament and then shelved uh, just before they all went on holiday. Twitter had a look at some of the proposed laws, which a lot of people had issue with at the time. Twitter said in its statement, we are very concerned about the implications for Twitter's own obligation as a company, as well as the rights and privacy implications for the users of Twitter and other online services. One of the things they pointed out is the bill... So so just again to explain it, the, the bill is to allow federal police to look into your accounts on Google, Facebook, Twitter, whatever, without letting you know. Twitter is asking, uh, well, does that mean we have to give up the keys to the accounts because we don't actually have the passwords because we don't store them in plain text? So what, do you want super user access to the whole back back end? That becomes quite scary. Uh, Yeah, so Twitter sees a lot of real major issues, not just in the policy idea behind it, but also just how the hell are we supposed to implement this? Uh, so yes, Twitter has joined the, the, a bunch of very loud voices saying this new law, this proposed law is quite pro- problematic. That was a really good explanation of, of, um, of those issues. I've just been thinking of this as like, it falls broadly under the umbrella of expanding what law enforcement can do online. It's good to good, good that you're getting in the detail. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it was very hard to, to kind of get my head around, but uh, as, as soon as they, they mentioned like, yeah, well, what are we supposed to do here? It's in, it's, we don't st- store your passwords in plain text. That hit me like a truck because it was like, of course, no one does anymore. Like people haven't done that for 20 years. So what are we going to do? Um, what are these companies supposed to do? Like give uh, the federal government access to their admin portal? Weird. Anyway, so that's all we have time for for Thursday. Thank you, Tess Bennett. Thanks, Peter. And we will speak to you tomorrow. Bye. Bye. <laughs> I, I got thrown by your uh, compliment. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. 
Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. 